0: thing is too fast but it's the last Sunday we have to endure it Uh, the next bumper will be nice and long and it will give us plenty of time we're concluding this series called good ways to share the good news and it's an extraordinary thing to think about that the creator of the universe determined that the way that he would expand and extend his kingdom is by taking ordinary imperfect broken people like you and I that have come to trust in him and he would take us as the means to his end of expanding and extending his kingdom it's as you and i find good ways to share the good news that one life here and one life there has changed and transformed and then it kind of takes in a family sometimes and sometimes several generations and so on i want to just quickly go through the the good ways to share the good news that we've looked at in this series the very first way is the easiest and the most effective ironically About 85% of people that become regular followers of Christ each year that stick to the Lord, that get a part of a local church, they are brought by this simple means. A Christ follower invites them, simply invites them. The reason it's so powerful is that any of us in here are able to invite somebody, and it can be transformational for their whole life. Second one we looked at was just answer their question. Occasionally God puts these people across their paths, and they have spiritual questions and all we have to do is just supply the answers and we can always get the answers and sometimes it creates a dialogue that often ends with them fully trusting Christ and becoming his follower. Then we looked at this, just keep it simple. When the person comes to that place where they say, you know, okay, what do I have to do? What does God want from me? How do I get right with God? We do not wanna complicate this, folks. We wanna say what God says. Put your trust in Christ, become his follower. That's it, nothing more, nothing less. Let's go to the next. We looked at another message, just give them solid reasons. There are some people that they they really don't need deep scientific reasons for the faith they just need some solid reasons to show that Christianity is rooted in his history and that archeology span substantiates it again and again. Now, there is other scientific evidence and all too, but that, that's, that's gonna be rare that you and I are frankly gonna need that, just basic solid answers. Then we went to this, just teach the teachable. Occasionally, God brings somebody across their path and they are, they are like a sponge. They're just so teachable, they're absorbent. They want to learn, they're eager to learn and if we can just pass on the little bit that we have to them sometimes they will have disproportionate impact they will end up reaching lots of other people more people than what we might reach in and of ourselves and then we come to today just tell them your story this is also another one of the easiest the first one remember it's the easiest and most effective just invite this one is the second it's the uh, second easiest and most effective just tell them your story. Your story is is familiar to you. You know your story. Nobody can derail you on your story. It's your history, it's your life, it's your experience and it's really a simple thing to look at we're going to see that the apostle Paul gives us a model an example of this you have Paul's story how he went from Saul of Tarsus the persecutor of Christ's followers to Paul the apostle who the spirit of God used to write 13 books in the New Testament in Acts chapter 9 you can read in real time how Paul went from Saul the persecutor to Paul the apostle then he repeats it again in Acts chapter 22 he's he's explaining it to a mob of Jewish people that literally were trying to kill him but he tells his story a second time so you have his story in Acts 9 you have his story in Acts 22 you and I are going to look at uh, extended passage you'll have to be patient with me in Acts 26 where he tells his story another time a third time so in the book of Acts alone we have Paul's story three times now my story your story everybody's story is pretty much the same what was my life like before Christ how did I how and when did I come to Christ and then lastly what's my life been like since coming to Christ it's pretty simple it's pr- pretty pretty basic it's something that each of us has now you might be sitting there thinking about but Randy I, I haven't yet become a Christian well then you're still at stage one before Christ so you still have your story your story just hasn't progressed quite uh, where God in his love wants it to progress all right let's start reading in the book of Acts chapter 26 now a little bit more context Paul has been in arrest he's been arrested in Caesarea for two entire years and now he's going to plead his case to king agrippa he was one of the herodian kings left um, he was kind of a puppet king to the, to the rome but at any rate he was very familiar with judaism so here we go then agrippa said to paul you have permission to speak for yourself so paul motioned with his hand and he began his defense King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews. The Jews were accusing Paul of destroying the the truth about God and the truth about life. He was not at all, of course. Let's go on. And especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a what? A child. Now, Now, Paul... First of all, he established congeniality. He, he was polite to Agrippa. It does us well when we're gonna tell our story to somebody, try, try to build a bridge with them, try to make it a pleasant conversation, connect with them, um, embrace their culture, try to assess where they're at emotionally. Is it a good time for us or not? But anyway, he's polite to Agrippa, but then he tries to establish credibility. He's saying these people that were accusing him in this particular case, they've known him since he was a child so let's go on so, so we want to establish as well credibility the Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem he lived in, in Taurus, uh, or, yeah, Taurus and then also in Jerusalem he was uh, under Gamaliel when he was learning they've known me for a long time and can testify if they are willing that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion living as a Pharisee And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I'm on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night, King Agrippa. It's because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God God raises the dead? I I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth and that is just what I did in Jerusalem on the authority of the chief priest I put many of the Lord's people in where? in prison mind you they were being put in prison simply because they had put their trust in Christ and become his follower he goes on to say and when they were put to what? death some of them were being put to death simply because of putting trust in Christ becoming his follower I cast my vote against them so he's talking now about his past he's trying to show not just credibility but objectivity he's telling things about himself that that don't make him look that kind It, it makes him look like he's at least being sincere but he didn't have an agenda let's go on many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished and I tried to force them to what is the word blaspheme you can only blaspheme God what is he talking about he would get them to denounce Jesus, and he now knew Jesus was God in flesh, God fully revealed, God in all his fullness, and so it was blasphemy to denounce the name of Jesus. He says, I tried to force them to blaspheme, and I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. So here's Paul telling what his life was like before he put his trust in Christ and became his follower now if i were to ask you what could you if you felt like you were face to face with somebody and you could tell they were interested in hearing you tell your story about your life before you became a follower of christ how many of you think i might be nervous Randy, but i think i think i could put it together short version long version i think i could tell someone though that was ready to listen what my life was like before i trusted christ how many think they could do that can i see your hands oh man that's good we had we had the same thing in the early service all right so he tells them in Paul's case that his early life was a very religious one he talked about he says you guys know me you knew me since I was a kid how I grew up in the strictest sect of our religion the Pharisees and so forth and many of you your story your past um, before Christ you grew up maybe in godly homes godly households you you were brought up as it were in the church many of you would even have confusion you say you know as far as I can always remember I I just always trusted Jesus I just always loved Jesus it's kind of the way I was brought up and I can't even remember a time when I wouldn't have thought of myself as a Christian just curious uh, any in here you that would be your past can I see your hands quite a few but then there would be some of us like me that our past was, was very different. It was a very ungodly past, okay? It doesn't matter what the past is, we just wanna have a grasp of it and be able to communicate it to people, what was it like, who was I like before I trusted in Christ? Now, for some of you that grew up in those godly homes and, and you, know, you were exposed to church and to Christian teaching since you were a child, you may also remember that there was a time, even though you knew about Jesus, knew about the word of God, there was still a time where you actually got serious, okay? So you were kind of in it because your parents and your family were in it, but then there was a time when all of a sudden it became serious and personal to you. Again, how many of you can remember that kind of experience? Okay, again, kind of common. So it doesn't matter, ungodly, godly, whatever it is, be prepared to articulate it because it's a powerful thing. It can change another person's life in this world and in the world to come. So Paul just tells us past. Here's a verse to just share with you a little bit about our common past. Even if we were brought up, you know, in the church and even if we've been in Sunday school since we were able to walk, this is still true of us to some degree. Paul writing to Titus, he says for we too, Paul was including himself and you just read he was in the strictest religious sect of the Pharisees even as a child. For we too were f- once, excuse me, for we two once were foolish disobedient deceived enslaved to various sinful desires and pleasures spending and wasting our lives in malice and envy hateful and hating one another uh, one of the things I, I've observed uh, this is not true all the time but, but about people that grow up in the church sometimes they have trouble with this with malice and envy they, they get nitpicky and critical of one another and they're, they're comparing themselves to other Christians and they're kind of, they get this competitive mindset and, and I think it's just, uh, it doesn't have to happen but I just think it can be that trap before the person really trusts Christ and allows the spirit of God start to bring truth into their life and and start to eliminate this malice this wanting to see bad things happen to other people wanting to see them fail wanting to compare ourselves favorably to other people so anyway Paul starts off by telling them his story and he talks about his past what his life was like before Christ most of you have said yes I think I could do that if I had the opportunity so that's good let's go to the next part how and when did I come to trust in Christ now for some of you this would be a much harder uh, question to answer let's listen to how Paul describes it. his was quite dramatic most of us maybe was not so dramatic he picks up in Acts 26 he says on one of these journeys remember these are the journeys where he's going to uh, persecute and arrest Christians on one of these journeys I was going to Damascus oldest city in the world with the authority and commission of the chief priest about noon king agrippa as i was on the road i saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun we read that and we kind of skip over i mean you're talking a light blinding from the sky and it wasn't just witnessed by Paul; it was witnessed by others. just blazing around me and my companions it goes on we all fell to the ground and i heard a voice saying to me in aramaic saul saul why do you persecute what does it say me, me and he had sense enough to ask a question uh, coming up later he says it's hard for you the voice says it's hard for you to kick against the goats it's, it's kind of you know like ox talk uh, agricultural talk then I ask who are you Lord he knew he was dealing with deity he knew he was he was dealing with some some kind of a divine entity I am Jesus whom you are persecuting the Lord replied now wait a minute wait a minute Paul was, Paul was trying to take Christians Christ followers and have them arrested and he was actually having some of them executed remember when Stephen in Acts chapter 7 was being stoned to death it was Saul, Paul that was standing there holding the garments of those that were stoning uh, Stephen to death but but Jesus says to Paul he says why are you persecuting me he he wasn't persecuting Jesus technically he was persecuting his followers Do do you get what the spirit of God is trying to tell us there we are the body of Christ, it says in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. We are the body of Christ. It's, it's a real organic spiritual union. Jesus is saying, you touch one of mine, you are touching me. It's piercing Jesus' heart when you are attacked or you are persecuted. You're never alone in those kind of situations. Let me go on. He, said, he says this, he says, um, now get up and stand on your feet. So this is Jesus talking to Paul who was Saul at the time. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you. Doesn't sound like that's a good thing he's being called to if you need to be rescued. I will rescue you from your own people, that's the Jews, and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes. Now listen, Paul's got a very clear mission here to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light darkness is not a thing we, we we think of darkness as a thing but it's not darkness is just the absence of light light is the one absolute in the universe time is not absolute space is not absolute speed is not absolute everything is measured by light light is absolute light is the perfect image of God light makes everything clear light shows what reality is And so Paul's mission was you gotta go and you gotta tell human beings the truth about God and the truth about life. You need to turn on the light. They've they've got a lying image in their minds about God and about life and you are to go and turn that light on you're to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God Satan is the darkness bringer he slanders God he does not tell the truth about God or about life he makes us think things that are injurious to us are actually pleasurable for us and we don't find it out usually until it's too late so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith or by trust. It's the same Greek word pistis in me. That word sanctified. Don't, don't think all churchy. All oh, that word means it's it's Greek word hagiasmos. It, it just means to be set apart as a devotee of God. The word holy in our Bible it's hagios. This is just a, a form of it hagiasmos. But it has nothing to do with you know like thinking of rituals and things. It just means that once I put my trust in Christ, I'm a different person. I'm set apart in a different category. I'm listening to To a different voice to give me my orders in life i'm i'm looking for a different revelation to guide me through life so he gets his mission very clear and there's this dramatic dramatic conversion i mean you and i we weren't converted to christ because we were smitten by a light from heaven we didn't have jesus personally talk to us but can we articulate how and when we became followers of christ now some of us once again that, that we grew up in the church it's really hard it's really fuzzy and I said earlier you know you might be thinking well as long as I can remember I always loved Jesus always believed in him trust him and, and that's okay I, I suspect that is absolutely true of some of us and then there are others of us it might not have been as dramatic as Paul's but we can still remember that there was a real turning point that we were living one way and then we completely turned around I mean my own, my own life I lived a very ungodly life particularly from ages um, 13 to 23 that packed an awful lot in the 10 years and then some of us were all in between but can we remember what was going on like I couldn't tell you the day the week um, I, or even the month that I put my trust in Christ and became His follower. The closest I can come is to tell you it was the summer of 1973. That much I know for sure, but I can't tell you the date. So don't feel confused if if you can't articulate the exact date or the exact year. And as far as the how you came to Christ, for some of us it might have been crisp and clear. Well, I heard a message in church where someone sat down and talked to me, and then I decided I'm going to put my trust in Christ and become His follower. But for others of us it might have been more like a process in fact I'm going to suggest for all of us it was probably a process but we we just haven't looked at the pieces let, let me give you an example um, I live most of my life bounced back and forth between my, my mother and my grandparents and when I was living with my grandmother her backyard in her house backed up to the backyard of another house of a pastor his name was pastor Dixon and I used to play ball in the street with his kids and anyway one summer One summer, I think I was about 11 years old. They they asked me to come to this camp with them. I'm like, sure, man, I'm up for that. If my grandmother will front the money, I'm gone, you know. So it was called Camp Grace. Well, it didn't matter to me what it was called. I didn't care. I just wanted to get away. So they took me away to this Camp Grace. It was a Grace Brethren Church. He was a pastor of, and I'm telling you, to this day, it's probably the 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 most fun week of my entire life which shows you how boring I really am <laughs> but um I, it was it was spectacular you know now at one point, you know how these church groups do, they all do the same thing. So you build up to this one night, you know. So we're all sitting around the campfire and you got this big fire burning, you know, and they give us all this little stick, a little piece of wood. And so there's somebody standing up there babbling on about Jesus. Man, I'm eleven years old. I don't have a clue. I'm just looking around, the fire's burning, I got the stick in my hand, and then all of a sudden, people were popping up and they're throwing their stick in the fire and I'm looking and I'm like oh shoot man I'm I'm gone I'm putting my stick in now what they were supposed to be doing was by throwing the stick in the fire was symbolizing that you were putting your trust in Christ and becoming his follower well I didn't know what I was doing I just knew I was not going to be the only guy sitting there with my stick in my hand when everybody else threw theirs in the fire I tell you that to say it didn't affect me or did it or was it the start because I'm telling you I left there never forgetting ever that there was something about Jesus and God and that he was good and 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 that stuck with me it didn't change me I got I was terrible between 13 and 23 okay let let me show you how the process picked up again one time I was I was I was construction worker 17 years union carpenter I was working with this guy he was Jehovah's Witness and he would just bombard me with crazy stuff that he said was out of the Bible and and it made me fascinated though I wanted to know what was in it one time uh I, I was you know in this restaurant steakhouse and back back in the 70s we, we were the original hippies man I, I mean I had hair all down my back uh I didn't look any better than I do now I've never looked good it doesn't matter what what it looked but uh i'm sitting in the steakhouse and this guy comes up to me and he says you know i think god wants you to have this and he gives me this little booklet have you ever seen his little little jesus booklet you know like how to be saved kind of booklets so i took it it didn't change me but i kept that thing six months later i did become a christ follower so there was a process a process started when i was a little kid I didn't know what it was about, but it started something. Process picked up at age 23. Age 23, before that man in that restaurant gave me that little booklet, I was feeling like I was 100 years old. I know it sounds ridiculous to some of you. I felt like I had packed too much into life. I had seen too much. I had done too much. I felt horrible. I felt ugly. I felt life stunk. It was boring. It was empty. It was purposeless. And inside, I was just screaming out. I knew there had to be more. I knew there had to be more to life and I, I was just looking 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 I used to I used to stay up late at night now this is going to really sound foreign to some of you believe it or not there was a time in life when tv went off at nighttime so yeah yeah that's if you saying, how old are you dude <laughs> really old really old. <laughs> But TV used to go off the air at about 1201 in the morning. But just before it would go off the air, there usually would be these religious broadcasts. I have no idea why. Well, secretly, now I would not let my walking partners, my street guys, I would not let them know I was doing this. But I was watching these broadcasts, you know, because I was thinking, man, maybe God is the answer. Remember the camp, the camp situation. Let me fast forward this thing a little bit. These buddies of mine had, had a band, they, they would play in bars. I'd go with them, help them balance out their sound, not like these technical guys back there just my ears, I have good ears, and before I would go to these events with them, they were not events, they were bars, before I would go to these bars with them, being not a real rich fellow, um, I would, this is for adults, I'm sorry if you brought your children here today, children, this is not something to do, because Pastor Randy did it. But I would go to the bar or go to the liquor store and I'd get a six-pack of beer because I wanted to drink, you know, my six-pack before I went into the bar, because it was expensive to drink in the bar. So I'm trying to save a little money. You understand what I'm trying to say. So, so I'm going to the liquor store in Marlow Heights, Maryland, Peachy County, and, and here's this kid, he's probably about 13 years old standing out in front of the liquor store and he's got a handful of these little tracks well I knew what they were the guy in the steakhouse had given me one I knew what it was about it was a Jesus thing so I see this kid and I'm, I'm trying you know I'm trying to dodge him if I can get a, get around him and he was not having it and this kid man he starts into the Jesus thing with me and um, I used a lot of profanity and you know got around him got my beer went on to the 175 club that night and life went on but I'm gonna tell you a secret not really a secret. That kid haunted me for weeks for months to this day. It is hard for me to talk about the situation with that kid and not break down. He tormented me. I saw in that child how ugly a human being I was becoming, how selfish, how inconsiderate, how ruthless, how, how terrible, and it made me more than anything want want to change and to be different. So so it was I'm telling you all this just to tell you Sometimes there's a process before we actually come to put our trust in Christ and become his follower. And for you, the process might have even extended out over 10 years, some of you 20 years, maybe some of you even longer. So if you can't, if you can't locate the exact time and month and date and all like that, don't don't let that throw you. Here's the question. This is the only thing you need to be able to answer. Are you following Jesus now? and you're following him for one reason, because he has won your trust, he's won your confidence, when you saw him on that cross in your mind's eye, you said, if he is wise enough to create the universe, and loving enough to die for me, I bow my knee to you, you you have my trust, and all I want to do is follow you, and I'm going to follow you fully, I'm going to follow you freely, because you've won my trust, and I'm going to follow you forever, I don't care if anybody else is following you, you've won me, if that Describes you now. You are a Christian, whether you can locate the time that it happened, or the month, or the date, or the year, or when, or how. You follow what I'm saying? It's where you are that's the crystal clear proof. But if we can tell somebody, well, here's how, here's when I put my trust in Christ and became his follower that's a powerful component of your story Paul had that part in his story it was quite dramatic in our case it might be very mild you might say something like you know I just got to a place in life where I started going to church you know we had kids and and I just didn't want them to grow up in bad environments so I took them to church and then all of a sudden the more I started going I started hearing stuff and thinking and next thing I knew I had I had a lady just, just in between services tell me that she just started reading the Bible, and the more she learned, she says, I just fell in love with Jesus. And you yours might be similar, you can't look at it. It just was kind of a gradual thing, but it's what's happened and who you are right now. All right, who you were, what, what was going on before Christ, how did we come to Christ? Now the third part. The third part is this. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to skip this, it's so critical gives us an example from scripture of what it means to be saved men what must i do to be saved these guys were asking the apostle paul it was a philippian jailer asking they said trust in the lord yeshua that just means the lord jesus and you will be saved trust in jesus and you will be saved that's it nothing more nothing less that word saved by the way i'll bear with me Um, please if some of you you have a primarily judicial picture in your mind you know like a courtroom and god the father's like the judge and jesus is kind of like your defense attorney and you know this big list of sins is coming up and then jesus says oh look father you know i've paid for those sins and he hits the gavel and says you're not guilty you're free if that's primarily what comes into your mind when you hear about being saved let me suggest a much better more accurate picture than that you see, the word saved, it's, it's dynamic. They shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people, present tense, from their sins. Picture yourself as being lost in the Amazonian jungle, hopelessly lost, and there's dangers everywhere, and you are without hope and then a guide comes and finds you you know about this guide you've heard about this guide this is the greatest guide in the whole amazonian area and that guide comes to you and says to you if you will trust me and if you will follow me i will protect you from all the dangers and i will get you to the destination that you were meant to get to that's the image you ought to have in your mind when you hear that word saved it is dynamic it is not static it is relational it is not judicial it's a continuous thing it's not a one point in time thing it starts in a point in time but it continues okay let me go on what has my life been like since trusting in Christ that's the third part what was my life like before Christ How, how and when did I come to Christ what's my life been like since now how many of you think you could put something together here. Somebody said, okay, so, so you, know, you did the Jesus thing, so what difference has it made in your life? What, what, what is it brought? How many think you, you, could, you could say something? Can I see your hands? Okay, and, and the more specific based on the person asking you you can be, the better. Let, let me show you what I mean. If you know you're talking to somebody that, that is a materialist and the materialist lifestyle is creating tension in, their, in their, maybe their marriage or their life, then speak to them in terms of how Jesus changed your value system, if that's what what occurred. You see what I'm saying? So you might tell different versions of your story to different people in different settings, but be able to articulate what what is the difference. Here's a quick verse, just to kind of, oh, I'm sorry, I I gotta tell the rest of Paul's story. Here he goes, let me pick it up. (laughs) He says, so then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in damascus oldest city in the world then to those in jerusalem and in all judea and then to the gentiles i preached that they should repent metanoia greek word just means to change the way you're thinking stop the way you're thinking it's not a religious word not like do penance and turn to god and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds that is why some jews seized me in the temple courts and they tried to kill me but god has helped me to this very day so i stand here and testify to small and great alike. i'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and moses said would happen that the messiah the christ would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and the gentiles so paul is saying you know I just, for the rest of my life, became obedient. I did what Jesus told me to do. Here's a verse, kind of for us, it's a summarization. The Apostle Paul, once again, is saying, My old self has been crucified with Christ our old self is just a composite of who we are when we are driven by self-preservation and self-gratification we're living a sense-governed life we we are just like I'm here I'm alive today I don't know how long I'm going to be alive so I'm going to get all the pleasure I can while I can stay alive as long as I can and we become self-absorbed we're ego driven we're self-driven my old self has been crucified with christ it's no longer i who live but christ who lives in me now he's going to explain to us what christ living in him means in the very next sentence so i live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me when he says christ lives in me he's saying that you know i live my life by my trusting god when god says don't do something I don't do it when he says do something I do it now he is the center of my life my 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 direction in life has changed so in so many words that's the kind of message we would want to pass on to somebody else now I want to close this out by (laughs) giving you some things to think about I would like for you to consider doing something that you don't want to do (laughs) okay in fact let me be so bold to say this some of you and I'm not trying to be insulting I mean we're we're just all being real people here some of you are going to go home today and in a very short period of time you will absolutely forget this message it will have meant very little to you frankly but if no matter who you are if you are willing to do what I'm going to ask you to do I promise you this message could be revolutionary it, it it will change your life it'll change it'll, it'll cause change in someone else's life and maybe in their eternal destiny and we're going to be divided some of us are going to go out of here and we will not do what i'm going to ask you to do and the message will be gone and forgotten and it'll have no impact but if you're willing to do what i ask you to do you mark my words you hold me to this and see if god doesn't end up using you to tell your story and change someone's life and eternal destiny all right here it is go home this is homework, you can't do this now, go home and think through your story, what was your life like before Christ, how did you come to Christ, what's it been like since, think it through, but then the hard part, what does it say, you see it's even hard to say isn't it, (laughs) some of us hate paper and pen we we hate even this you know we we hate to write it down but here's the reality unless we write it down it is highly unlikely that we'll be able to speak it out when the opportunity comes and writing it down gives us an opportunity to share it in many other ways as well the fact that it's written down in the bible it's still making impact on us now Paul's story is written for us hence it still has impact think it through write it out and then share it wide and here's what I mean by that you start praying each week God give me some opportunities to share my story. I'll open some doors for me. And then you look, you look, you become very intentional about it. You start looking for opportunities to share your story. You're not obnoxious, not foolish. Not like you're in the grocery store and you know, somebody's reaching for water and you say, you need the water of life. You know, you, um, I mean, some of you might make that happen. I don't know, you might, you might work that thing, but that's not what I recommend. <laughs> so think it through, write it out share it wide i'm going to close with a story that i have told without shame many many times i first told it probably over 30 years ago May, many of you perhaps have even heard it but i'm going to tell it again The story goes this and it's not in the bible it's just a story when jesus ascended back to heaven the story goes gabriel you know one of the archangels he was there to meet him and he said lord this was this was amazing. We had never, ever dreamt that this was in you. We didn't know that you loved all of us with such sacrificial love. The, this, this is awesome, Lord. We, we just can't believe it up here. You must. Those humans, they've got to know what you're like. They need to. Every one of them needs to know this message, Lord. So, Lord, what, what's your plan to get them all to know what you've done for them and who you are? And Jesus says, Well, Gabriel. Uh, My plan is that, you know, I had those disciples. And so the disciples, they're each going to tell somebody. And then who they tell is going to then tell somebody else. And then who they tell is going to tell somebody else. And Gabriel starts looking at the ground awkwardly. And he says, oh, 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 okay, Lord. But, you know, Gabriel knows we humans. He's been watching us. He knows how inconsistent we are. He knows how lazy we can be. He says, "Lord, but, but, but what if way down in the 21st century, they just stop telling people, They just stop telling their story, your story? What then, Lord? What, what, what's your plan B? What's your backup plan? Lord, surely, there's got to be a backup plan. Gabriel has not, not as much confidence in we humans. And Jesus says to Gabriel, "I have none. They are my plan." If I could go to my slide. Can you say this out loud with me? I know it's a little little, little clunky, but can we do this? I'm his plan. Do you really believe that? No, I I, I mean, you're thinking, yeah, Randy, you might be his plan. No, I mean, do you understand that God so loves you? He wants to work in you and through you. Do you really, really know that if you don't tell the story your story, his story, they're woven together it doesn't get done to some extent I'm going to ask you again and if you you understand this clearly will you say it even louder this time I'm his plan now don't respond to what's going to be on the screen in a second don't respond just sit, let it sink in for a minute and he can count on me don't say this unless you mean it think it through for a minute we're talking about I've got to first get my story together and then I've got to pray for opportunities to share my story and then I've got to be intentional about looking for opportunities to share it the rest of my life inviting is the most powerful thing any of us can do but telling our story is probably the most second powerful and easiest and so please don't say this don't say this unless you mean it because God is present He wants all of us to say it. He wants. He wants to raise. He wants to do something so magnificent in churches across America. This is the time. COVID has been a time of pruning. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But but if you mean this, if you mean that that all heaven looking down on you says right now, you know what? I may not be perfect. I may have a lot of broken spots in me. But God, for what it's worth, you can count on me. I will tell my story, your story, and my story. I will tell it. I will pray for opportunities. You can count on me. He can count on me. If you mean it, only if you mean it, shout it out. Will you do that? And he can count on me. God bless you, man. That's, I, I want to I applaud you. Yeah. Thank you. Now, remember what I said. Unless you think it through, write it out, you're not going to be likely to share it wide. God has been pruning churches, his church, the church of Jesus through COVID, churches across America. He's pruned this church. I want you to think about something. When Jesus was with his disciples, with his 12, 12 is God's number, you know, it looked like the best team possible. Jesus in the 12, man. But it really was not the best. There needed to be some pruning done. You see, there was a Judas on the team. And you have to get rid of a Judas before you can get a Paul on the team, there has to be some pruning. How many have ever seen a tree that was once overgrown? It might be a fruit tree and its branches are all over, but it's, it's big and it's, it's full and it's overgrown. How many have ever seen that before? How many have ever seen when it gets pruned? It's ugly, isn't it? Pruning is ugly. But you have to prune if you're gonna have more fruit. And God has been pruning his churches through COVID. And now, listen to me carefully, He is about to release His churches in ways that human history has never seen before. God's Spirit is about to do something here and in other churches that the world has never seen before. He wants you as a part of it. Yes, yes, you are. You are His plan. He has assembled a team here. He has brought together a unit of us here for such a time as this. And I believe we are going to see the most phenomenal things in church world that we've ever seen at the same time persecutions but we're his plan and the time is now for such a time as this did he bring each of us no accidents here each of us this unit together will you pray with me Our Father and our God, we thank you for this unspeakable privilege that our story and your story get woven together. We get to deliver the good news to people in desperate need to hear it. And your spirit has done a work here today. We have told you, count on us. We are your plan. We are your people. May your spirit continue to keep this fire alive in us. You know what's going to try to distract us. Please help us where we need the help. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.